When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Julia Dennison, host of We Are Family, and I just want to give a heads up to those of you around kiddos that the episode this week covers adult subjects and contains some adult language, too. Thank you. My name is Ben Feldman, and to me, family is exhausting. Hello, and welcome to We Are Family. I'm here with actor and producer Ben Feldman. You'll know him as Jonah Sims on Superstore, Michael Ginsburg on Mad Men, Ron LaFlame in Silicon Valley, and Tyler Tuskman in Monsters at Work. He's also starred on Broadway in The Graduate, among plenty of other things. He's dad to son Charlie and daughter Effie with his wife and fellow actor Michelle Mullitz. Ben, welcome to We Are Family. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So my first question is, you all can't see see him right now because obviously podcast, but uh, I see a giraffe head behind you. So I'm guessing mm-hmm. that's not your room, is it? <laughs> it is not, although some of my friends might argue that uh, I have a bit of a giraffe fetish. So it would not be unlikely that that giraffe head would be in another room in the house. But I am in Charlie's room. He just went to school and uh, I'm giving my wife the rest of the house. Nice. And also I figured it was appropriate to... Uh, do a family podcast uh, next to my son's bunk bed. (laughs) It's a requirement. But we should also just specify that that is not, as far as I can tell, a real giraffe behind you. (laughs) No, that is a paper mache. That is a paper mache giraffe. God forbid we actually had taxidermied, beautiful, exotic, amazing animals (laughs) in our house. Oh, my goodness. So how old is Charlie and how old is Effie? Charlie's going to be four at the end of October. uh, And Effie turned two at the end of April already. Got it. Okay, so that's they're pretty close in age. So that's a handful. You had two hundred. They're e- extremely close in age. I think that's why it's so exhausting. They're they're uh, <laughs> they're a year and a half apart, um, wow. which is insane. I don't recommend it, uh, but you know it'll pay off at some point. Do you remember anything from sort of those first two years of parenthood, or is it a blur? No, no. I mean, <laughs> I think my wife would argue that uh, I don't remember anything anyway. Everything is a blur until about last week. But yeah, the first couple years are a total blur. There there are bits and pieces I remember. And then she came along, Effie came along, and then I just haven't slept in in, uh, a year and a half maybe or so. So it's not conducive to to memory. What is sleep? Um, Yeah, I have a daughter. She is five. And I will say five is good. I rec- I like five. I think I like five. I mean, five comes with opinions, lots of them. So be prepared. But, you know, they had those at four. Yeah. But I look forward to opinions. I like questions. I, I've been waiting for them to to ask, you know, at, at first, when they're really young, they're just cocky. They just pretend like they know everything or they're uninterested in what they don't know. And somewhere around Charlie's age, I mean, Effie says why a lot, but I feel like it's almost a nervous tick. <laughs> oh, right. She'll just say why, why? And I oh literally, I can answer with anything and she'll go, oh. But Charlie <laughs> genuinely is asking a lot of questions. If he doesn't understand a, a word in a book that we're reading, he'll ask. He'll, he'll, we Some mammoths showed up in a book the other day, and he was clearly alarmed and asked me, had a lot of questions about mammoths, and I had to explain to him what extinction is. <laughs> so right. oh, we're boy. getting to that phase, which I'm, I'm into. 
Um, we're going to rewind a little bit since this is a podcast about family, and I'd love to hear about your own family. Can you tell me a little bit about your upbringing, like your earliest memories? What was what was family life like for you as a kid? It's funny. I only recently learned, because I only recently started therapy, that it's not normal to have zero memories from like before you were eight. I just thought nobody, I was like, oh yeah, we don't remember things before um, we were eight. Uh, but that's when my parents got divorced. So who knows what was going on pre that? I can't imagine it was an, an incredible environment. But the divorce was great. And uh, and they lived near each other and they both remarried. And, and I, I have no bad memories. So fortunately, my defense mechanisms in my brain have just kind of, I guess, blocked them all out if I do have any. But my dad remarried and I got a stepsister out of it as well. Um, and they're still around and married to this day. My mom... Uh, dated about a million people and then married this like Irish Catholic construction worker who was like racist and blew things up for a living. Um, he was very charming, but, uh, but, <laughs> but like, you know, he lived in the basement and he had a Bronco with a license plate that said boom. And he was an amateur stripper. I learned later. Oh. Um, so that so, was like, fascinating. Just father figure right there for you. Yeah. The craziest thing is all of the different there's certainly elements of my personality that I'm not thrilled about that I can attribute to the various father figures I had. But I also think that he was useful. I mean, I, I think until this like super construction workery, like conservative, like weightlifter guy, I was kind of a wuss. And he was the one that was like, you know, quit whining about this, get outside, you know, jo join the whatever team. And I think there were elements that he added to my life that I'm, I'm grateful for, even though I'm sure they're they're outweighed by some of the the uglier ones. Oh, jeez. Um, but I, I dug it. I had a good. I was happy. Like if you asked, you know, ten year old me, if uh, I was sad, I never. I remember being really happy that my parents were divorced. I, I used to had this like line. I remember as a kid saying, it was like two different sitcoms that I would travel back and forth between each week, which I guess shows how much television I watched when I was a kid. But like, right. you know, if I was in trouble with one family, I knew that on Thursday I'd be going to dad's house and I wasn't in trouble over there. If I needed to borrow money and dad didn't want to lend it to me, I knew I was going to mom's house on Sunday. For some reason, I made it work and I, I really dug it. So Okay. Well, that's reassuring. I liked my childhood. <laughs> that's good. I'm I'm a divorced mom. And so I co-parent half the time with my daughter and she goes to her dad. So that's that's reassuring. So what, what, what would you say to like parent, a divorced parents as a kid of divorce? Is there anything that you would kind of wish that your parents had done differently or something that you feel like is important? I mean, again, who knows? Maybe I blocked out anything they did wrong. <laughs> but um, but I, I genuinely what had a very happy divorced child life. Um, they got along. They communicated. I think that was I, even then, I think I understood that that was important. Um, I understood that that was a plus in my uh, in in my situation, that they lived near each other um, and that they communicated. You know, they were they were cool with each other. And and I remember I, I was on uh, Drew Barrymore's show and she was really into it as another divorced parent. Like she actually brought this. I, I must have talked about this somewhere in the press. I did not remember talking about it, but she brought this up. So I had to because I am not Drew Barrymore's friend. Um, but there is the greatest birthday present I ever got when I was 16. My mother or my one of them took me out to dinner and the other one was at the restaurant, which was surreal to me. Oh. And the reason being is that they sat down and they explained to me my 16th birthday present. And it was uh, a trip to New York without them with a friend of mine. And oh. they handed me this little book and 
every single page was an instruction. So it would be like the first, like it'd be like walk outside, turn left, catch a cab going west. You've got a reservation at blah blah blah. Oh my god! And then you're going to this afterwards. And it was a whole weekend that they had planned every single moment of (gasps) together. And it was the coolest. I remember being like, "This is the quite the coolest parents ever." Oh my god, that's really adorable. I'm kind of into that. Oh, it was crazy. (laughs) And and. Well, the coolest part about it was they got me two. I was super in a theater at the time, and they got me two Mm -hmm. tickets to two shows. One was Funny Thing Happened with Mm -hmm. Nathan Lane, which is like old school Broadway and and whatever. But the other one was a brand new show that had just transferred to Broadway that uh, everybody was talking about called Rent. And so I got (gasps) to go see the uh, the original cast of Rent, like right after when it was brand new, alone without my parents, unsupervised on this awesome, super overly planned trip to New York. It was like. the greatest gift ever so oh my god that is so cool i love that mm-hmm. I, I might emulate that idea you should that's... it's a it's a great it's and 16 year olds are are more capable of that's what's horrifying to me is that you know in like 10 minutes my kids are going to be old enough for me to like send them to a major city right? without me and they'll be fine they won't die oh my god totally <laughs> Everybody did that stupid cliche that I was, it's so boring to me about how it happens so fast. You, then you become a parent. You're like, oh, it's, I mean, it's very much, it's, it's on my mind. It's a part of every single day. I'm constantly being reminded how quickly this goes by and all the things that I'm complaining about now, I'm going to, uh, miss, uh, desperately miss when I'm older. If, if my, if, if my in-laws are, are, um, and, and my parents are any indication, <laughs> it's all I'm going to care about. Yeah, no, totally. So speaking of your dad, so your dad runs an advertising agency, right? Is that yeah. right? Or, mm-hmm. And so obviously like your big role with Michael Ginsburg and Mad Men, where you played copywriter in an advertising mm-hmm. agency, what was that like to take on that role? Did you feel like you were playing your dad? Actually more playing my mom. They were both in advertising, but my mom, my mom was uh, coming up like was like a, she, my mom was essentially Lizzie Moss's kid was, was was Peggy essentially. Oh, wow. Um and my mom traveled back and forth between New York and 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 DC and and she was a she was a copywriter. Um and so yeah, a lot I mean both of them really, you know, they both loved the show and they were both really excited when I joined the cast. So yeah, it was really really cool to sort of be play acting my parents' history. <laughs> yeah. So now I have to ask a question. So on, on Instagram, you posted a note that you wrote to your mom. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Um, I do. When, when you were 12, was it, I think, maybe camp or something? But you mm-hmm. were asking about a certain magazine, i.e. Mm-hmm, Playboy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and about the subscription, I think, that she needed to pay for or something. Can you talk about that? What the heck? <laughs> what was it? It was, did I say that I did it behind her back? See, that's the other thing about- I think I'm going to pull up the note. Okay, pull up the note. <laughs> Mom, I know you're going to kill me, but there's nothing I can do about this Playboy thing. I didn't even prescribe. Subscribe. <laughs> I didn't I didn't even <laughs> prescribe. I didn't even prescribe. Who's even prescribe? <laughs> uh, I didn't even prescribe to it. Ah. Uh, anyway, I owe 2193. Can you help me out? Uh five question marks. I'm sh- I'm sure <laughs> I prescribed to it. Um Yeah, right. Actually, knowing my mom, she probably uh, uh, got the subscription for me. My mom was super. I mean, I, it's it's unconventional, and it's and 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 I don't. I, I'm not recommending anything to parents, but I will say this: my mother was super super cool about that kind of stuff. Like when I was mm-hmm. in sleepaway camp, she sent us 
something. I forget. I don't know if it was like a Playboy or something. Look, I get it. There's a million parents that are probably listening to this and going, oh my God, that's horrible. She should be arrested. But I will say this. My mom was super liberal about a lot of stuff from whether it was Playboy to like weed. And Mm -hmm. I never really had problem like i had a lot of other friends who had super conservative parents who were over who were highly protective of things like that and those were the guys in college that were wasted right. and uh and disrespectful and and had problems and and addiction mm-hmm. and whatever maybe not addiction addiction is a disease but they, but they were they yeah. were reckless right. um, and i was never i never found myself to be reckless um and so you know take that for what it's worth but but she was she was really cool about that stuff now should you send a 12-year-old a porn a camp? Probably not. My mother was on one end of the spectrum, but there are right. lessons, I think, to be learned from her side of the spectrum. I think so, too. I mean, that reminds me of when I was in France at 16 and I was drinking wine with my French family. It's like yeah. in, over in America, kids are binging because they're having to do it in the woods somewhere. That And that's funny. that when My mother my mother moved to France. To, she moved to the south of France when I was uh, in college and I would go and visit all the time. And those kids, the kids that I hung out with there were just so much cooler. Like they were just, they didn't need to get wasted. They thought that Mm -hmm. Americans were, you know, ridiculous. And I'm sure this is still our image uh, to France and everybody else. But in retrospect, they just sort of, I think they imagined that we were all just like loud frat boys. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Like they were just so disgusted by our overindulgence and all of the things that were so completely normal and and casual to them. Um, That was a big lesson that I took whenever I used to go visit my, my mom in France. Right. And I think talking about sex with your kids, they often say that when you think it's time, it's it's too late. They're you already talking it. about it with their friends. Yeah. yeah. Like I never had that birds and bees conversation with my parents. I, I, I don't. Does that happen? Does anybody actually go, mom? Like I know Charlie said to my to, to Michelle the other day, where do babies come from? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but like he does. He's not really having the conversation like he, he then. Right. He went on to posit that women have boobs because that's the baby's knees. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like you don't even want to correct it. It's just yeah, amazing. Like, he's just trying to understand the basics of anatomy. I think by the time you really have questions about sex and and, and reproduction, whatever, you've figured them out with your friends. You're, I, I don't know anybody that's like having that, you know, 11-year-old sit-down talk with Timmy. Right, 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 right. But at the same time, it's like as a parent, you want to be there, the kind of parent that they could talk to you about it if they had to. Yeah, exactly. They shouldn't feel scared. These things shouldn't be taboo. Right, right. Totally. I remember there was a moment in high school where my mom said something like, you know, I'm sure your friends, you know, everybody's smoking weed and I'm sure you've done blow and blah, blah, blah and this and that. And I remember thinking like, oh, no, like I have it. Is my mom going to be disappointed in me that I've never tried blow at at this point? But like it was it was so normal to her that it became normal to me and so it was never taboo and so I never really you know I when I moved when I was a 20 something in LA and I was overcompensated for doing TV shows yeah maybe I did a little too much blow then <laughs> but I don't I don't attribute that to my to to bad parenting I think that I attribute that to LA's bad parenting Hollywood's It's K. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so talking about sort of dating and, you know, growing up and everything after seeing your parents get divorced, did that kind of change your concept of, of marriage and whether or not you even wanted to get married? Yes, for sure. I I, uh, I think it, uh, it, you know, it was it was interesting because it wasn't just that they got divorced. When they first told me that they were getting divorced when I was eight, I thought I was going to be Annie because I had no real context. And so I just Aww. assumed, you know, my only sort of reference point was uh, a musical orphan. Uh-huh. Yep, <laughs> so yep, I think yep. I thought that's what I was going to be. But once they sort of they separated and, and life went on, everything was fine. I honestly what... What I think messed with my head for a little bit, and probably to this day there's a lot of uh, shrapnel, um, was not that they got divorced, was watching them, really my mother, date a lot of people and I would walk in on her um, uh, accidentally in sort of – in ways that you wouldn't want your kid walking in oh, no. um, with, with the guy who inevitably became her her husband. But I'm sure there are others that I've, again, blocked out. Um, so I think it really – I think that shaped – that was right around when I was 8 and 9 and 10. It was right around sort of those formative, at least sexual years. Um, not they're, they're not sex sexy years, but when you're sort of learning about it. And so I, I think that – I think I took more away from sort of sex and monogamy than I did about marriage or anything like mm. that. But that said, yeah, I think I, I – for a long time, I didn't understand the concept of marriage. Uh, I, to this day, I still think – Look, I'm married happily and will be forever, but I, I think I can both be that and think that marriage is a ridiculous, antiquated concept that uh, started a gazillion years ago when it was about a dowry and, you know, women, right. <laughs> you know, you, you married and it was about money and then people lived in tiny towns of like six people and so you had to marry anybody. You, what else are you going to do? And like right. women, women died at childbirth anyway. So it's an entire system that comes from a different era and I think it doesn't necessarily belong in our era, but within the construct of how families work and, and, and sort of the rules and whatever of society, I'm perfectly happy in it. And so is Michelle. And, and if this is a way of saying, Hey, I'm committed to you, I'm going to do it on paper. Fine. If I, if I need to, you know, if you need to change your last name, whatever needs to happen. Great. Whatever. Right, right. No, I'm with you on that. Having gone through divorce and seeing how long that can take, as opposed to getting married, you can get married really quickly, but getting divorced yeah. can take like years. Um, yeah. And just the legality of it all. And like, I'm just like, what? It's so bizarre that like- It's so silly. Lawyers and it, get if, involved in my relationship. It is it is bonkers. But yet I'm with you. I mean, like I could see myself getting married again. It's kind of funny how that works. Yeah. I imagine, and I don't know this because I have not been divorced, but I imagine it's probably like childbirth and that it's probably horrible. And then some weird thing in your brain- uh, allows you to forget the, how horrible it was in order to do yes. it again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Something like that. But so how did you meet Michelle? And then how did you decide that marriage was for you, et cetera, et cetera? Um, Michelle and I met actually, it's so dumb. My my stepmother sent me an email a long time ago. Well, no, she called me and was like, 
there's this girl, my, my stepmother's always trying to set me up with people in my twenties, even when I had a girlfriend. Um, and one of those times I was in a car with a girl and I was like, can you just email me? And she was like, all right. And so she emailed me and she's like, there's this girl moving to LA. She just got there right up your alley, blonde, blue eyes, which is, which false. I had the, my girlfriend just before was like super dewy, dark hair, like not the blonde, blue eyed, whatever. Um, she was like, please take her out. I'm begging you. If it sucks, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll owe you. She comes from a great family, which might as well have been underlined and italicized. Um, and it was just this kind of ridiculous email. And so I just copied Michelle's email address and forwarded this email to Michelle. And oh I thought, God. if this girl is at all cool, she'll appreciate this ridiculous email from my stepmother. Um, right. And she wrote back something like, yeah, my mother said that you're like a douchey actor. And, uh, <laughs> and that was, and we hung out that night and that was, you know, like 15 years ago. Oh my God. I love it. And then in 2017, you became parents to Charlie, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Whatever was almost four years ago. So what kind of like surprised you about fatherhood? Like just generally, did you have a concept of what it would be like? Do you feel like you're becoming your parents at all? Yes. No. I think <laughs> uh, yes and no, I guess. I think you're always, I mean, obviously the old cliche of you do, you're, being a parent is just trying to undo all of your own parents' mistakes. Um, but uh but there's a lot of things about my dad and my mom that we that I emulate as well. Although it's, you know, it is kind of funny to me that like one day Charlie will be like married to a woman or a man. At some point he'll be in a fight with his husband or wife or whatever and they will say um okay Ben and they'll mean it as an insult and he'll storm out of the room. Like <laughs> you're thinking ahead to that moment. I love that. <laughs> like that is just inevitable. That someone will use my name to insult my children by saying, you're just like Ben. Like, I know that's going to happen. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> because that's every relationship. What What do you think that they're going to be doing? Oh, God. It could be so many things that they could be doing that would be like me and the wrong thing to do. <laughs> I'm sure it'll involve complaining or saying something inappropriate. Who knows? But yeah, no, a lot. To, I, you asked, you know, was I ready? I don't think anybody is. I think anybody who says that they're ready is lying. Um, yeah. I, and, and anybody who says that they're, that it's easy or that anything has gone smoothly is lying. One thing that I tell a lot of, I have a friend who's going to be a dad soon. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was just telling him what I tell all of, uh, my guy friends that are going to be, I say, you know, probably the kid's going to come out and you're going to be like, oh my God, something in me has changed. I love this thing, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. If you're like me, that won't actually be the case. If you're like me, you'll say, you'll look at the kid and you'll go, yeah, on paper, I love this thing and I get that I would do anything for it or whatever. But secretly you're thinking, am I incapable of love? Am I a narcissist? Why mm. do I, I see my wife having this unbelievable, like just uh, physical animal connection to this kid. And I'm just sort of like, yeah, all the boxes are checked, but I don't have that feeling. I'm happy, happy to walk away from this thing. And it's just a thing to me. And then somewhere around six, seven, eight months or whatever, that dissipated. And maybe I am a narcissist. Maybe it started with like when the kid, when Charlie, because he was our first, started laughing at my own jokes. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, this thing appreciates me. Now I love it. But it, whatever it was, <laughs> at some point around that time, 
something changed for me and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. I would jump into traffic for this thing. Uh-huh. Um, and it's no longer a thing. And now they're all I think about. And, and you know, yeah. we're going, my wife and I are going away for a couple nights to Mexico in, in a couple weeks. And, and mm. I, while I cannot wait to sleep past 6.30 a.m. Um, and to day drink, I know that I'm going to like be thinking about and desperately missing them the entire time we're there. And that's not something I could have pictured, you know, one month into Charlie's life. Oh, I think that's such an important message, though. It hits you at different. It hits different people at different times. That's yeah. just like that flood of, of of parent love right there, and it doesn't always happen at, at first. Yeah, and there's a little bit of a learned not to um, belittle the, the 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 mother's experience because that's just a. a one of sort of the miracles of of human nature is that they can make that connection so quickly. But a lot of times with the dad, a lot of times, not always, it's almost a learned or earned kind of love. And because Mm -hmm. you're, you're irrelevant for months. You're so irrelevant. You're a housekeeper. You're the guy that you, you're the grocery store goer to, or you're whatever needs to happen, but you're not necessary to the kid. Um, You're in the way a lot of the times. And so it's really, it's, it's, it can be scary, I think. And a lot of dads won't admit that because it's such an ugly thing to say, like, you know, one month in everyone's saying, you must be so excited. This is so special. You can't say, yeah, I guess, but that's sort of how I felt. No, you're not allowed. <laughs> you just have to go, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have to go. Yes. Oh my God. I, this is everything. Something in me is different. I'm a new person now. You know, the world is different to me. The sun is always shining, blah, blah, blah. And it's, and it's bullshit. Or at least it was for me. But maybe, yeah, maybe more of us should say, yeah, I guess maybe, you know, maybe we should be a little bit more honest about those feelings. Yeah. And what what was great with Effie the second time around was I knew that's how it would go. And so the confidence of in knowing that that will come if it's not there at the beginning kind of makes everything so much easier and more relaxing and happy. Yeah. And it allowed me to actually sort of develop whatever that connection is with Effie sooner because I wasn't constantly worried that I just would never have it. Yeah, no, totally. And you know what? I'm a mom too. And I don't, I've, I've just discovered that I don't think I'm a big baby person. I loved her as a baby, but I think I love her even. Fuck babies. Um, I hate babies (laughs) so much. They're the worst. Babies suck, man. Babies, listen. (laughs) I have to feel like I have to back up. Babies are great. My daughter was the best baby in the world naturally. but. Five-year-olds, way better. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I want someone who I can have a conversation with. Babies Same. don't Same. do anything, and they just take and take and take. And if they're not yes. taking, they're crying. And they're just – it's. I, I don't know. That's the other thing. Maybe that's really what it was, is I just couldn't pretend that I was happy to have a baby in my house. And the second – Effie, you know, once the the diapers went away, like the all little sort of milestones that say she's no longer a baby, you know, to my wife, it was depressing because it's like, this is the last time this will ever happen. To me, it was like, great. This is this is it. This is the real beginning for me. Right, right. So you guys are done. Two kids done. 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 (laughs) Done. Done. Um, (laughs) So speaking of done, we're almost done here. And thank you so much, Ben, for chatting. So now as a family, has the pandemic kind of changed? What are you you kind of looking forward to in the future? If if anything, has it kind of changed your outlook on family at all or changed your perspective? My wife and I, this is another thing that we sort of say in hushed tones, but the pandemic really kind of was, and a lot of parents would probably agree with this, a really magical time for us. Um, Mm -hmm. We didn't have... We didn't have 
six, seven, eight-year-old kid. You know, like I feel bad for the families that were A, having to do all the classes at home and had to work on homework and the kids were the, – the most important time for these kids to be around their friends wasn't happening. Uh, we were really lucky in that our kids were the an age that kind of made it just really nice. We were forced to stay at home. Uh, everybody else was too. We spent a lot of time – my wife said very early on in the pandemic, she's like, you know, we're going to look back on this and say, oh my God, what an exhausting time. Thank God that's over. And our kids are going to look back as much as they can and be like, that was the greatest summer or whatever of our lives. Right. Of our three or two years on uh, in existence. And and that's, I think we learned a lot. I think we learned a lot about um, being together as a family. We had a lot of in- incredible times and spent a lot of time together that we would not have uh, were mm-hmm. it not for a worldwide pandemic. So there are things, there are silver linings and things to be grateful in certain situations. Of course, it was an awful disaster and it continues to be. And I hate to say that anything about it was was nice for us, but there was mm. something about that that was really kind of great. Yeah, I think that's a universal feeling for sure. The ups and the downs of the pandemic for parents. Um, ben, Ben Feldman, thank you so much for coming on We Are Family. This has been so awesome. It's been so great to chat. I feel like I could go on and on and on. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I hope you. I hope it gets edited down to just me talking trash about babies and then <laughs> porn and drugs. Yes. And then I'm like, and then I'm like, but the pandemic was great. And then you just go <laughs> on to someone with like an actual real and then person I'm like, life. Cool. Anyway, so so gross. <laughs> no, it's good. This is awesome. Thanks, Ben. It was great to talk to you. All right, this has been great. Take care. Okay. Thanks for listening to my conversation with the hilarious Ben Feldman. What a joy to speak to him. Come back next week when we'll be talking to the very stylish Tan France from Netflix's Queer Eye about his journey to parenthood with the help of a surrogate and the first frantic weeks of being a dad after his son made an unexpected entry into the world. Be sure to follow We Are Family on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't miss an episode. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at parents.com slash wearefamilypodcast. We Are Family is presented by me, Julia Dennison, and produced by Sam Walker. Editing is by Vincent Cachione. And thanks also to the rest of our production team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Sav, and Danielle Roth. We'll see you back here next week for more We Are Family. We Are Family.